You're listening to Builder Funnel Radio. This is the Building a Family Business Show with Wes and Brooks Powell. Let's dive in. The Powell family construction business has been around for over 110 years. Over that time, it's evolved and been through four generations of the Powell family. What started as a new construction business building spec homes in the Seattle area evolved to building communities, remodeling, building custom homes, and then getting involved with property management. Today, the business currently owns and operates two retirement and assisted living facilities, several apartment buildings, and does third-party property management in the Seattle area with about 750 total doors under management. Over the last several decades, Wes and Brooks have seen it all when it comes to business evolution, family dynamics in the construction industry. This is the show where I work to extract their knowledge and experiences to help you navigate family dynamics, among other things, in your construction business. Let's dive into the show. Hey guys, did you know that 72% of client unhappiness is directly attributed to a lack of communication during projects? The team over at BuildBook has solved that problem once and for all with a tool that keeps all the conversations and decisions between you, your team, and your clients in one place. Their simple, powerful app helps you create daily logs, schedule and manage your client tasks, keep track of selections, process change orders, and so much more. I met the BuildBook team in Vegas at IBS earlier this year, where they were chosen as a finalist for the most innovative construction tool of 2020, which is saying a lot considering how many tools are actually out there. If you're looking to remove the stress from your projects, make your clients happier, and increase your profits, they're offering a special deal to all Builder Funnel Radio listeners. Hit pause right now and text BUILDBOOK to 33777 for a free trial of the software plus 45% off the first year. There's absolutely no risk to try it. So go ahead and hit pause and text BUILDBOOK to 33777 to take advantage of the trial and score the 45% off. This deal isn't available anywhere else. So I recommend at least trying out the software. All right, let's dive into today's show. Hey guys, welcome back to Building a Family Business here on Builder Funnel Radio. I am joined as always with Wes and Brooks. Brooks, what's going on today? Not much, just enjoying a beautiful day out in Seattle. We finally got into summer, so we're, we're loving that. One of, your, one of your five good days out there? There's actually six, so oh, six. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, this will be one of them. And uh, yeah, I mean, it might be 85 today. It's going to be sunny all day. So uh, we it's consider that summer. You know? Yeah, treasure it, treasure it. We are. <laughs> Wes, how are you doing? Doing great. Yeah, I was checking Brooks's weather this morning. It looks really nice. I think it's going to be more like 10 days anyway. Yeah, so that'd be awesome. I do remember that from being a kid in, in Seattle. You know, the weather's nice in the summer. It's just like, oh, you just got this... You got to enjoy it because it's not going to last. <laughs> yeah, we had a late late start this year. It didn't even start getting nice till well, today's the twenty first. You know, and uh, it uh, didn't start till like the nineteenth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, what uh, what are you reading? You reading anything interesting these days, Brooks? Actually, I read a pretty good article this week titled "Boosting National Service," and it's about the concept of you know some kind of you know, mission-oriented mission youth programs, you know, get those elevated to the same status as military service. So getting an opportunity for youth to spend time in in service 
and just kind of about all the benefits of, of doing that. So it's a pretty good article. So what, uh, yeah, what were some of the benefits that they were highlighting in there? Well, one of the they, what they did is they have a, they had a commission that uh, it's called the National Commission on uh, Military, National, and Public Service created by Congress at some point. And they actually took a uh, tour kind of similar to Alex de Tocqueville from France took a tour of, the, of America back in the you know, late 1700s. And so they did the same thing and they went across the country and had all these interviews and talked with people and just came out of that saying, you know, it'd be better if we would give people the opportunity to serve and it would be a help them transition out of into just maybe better opportunities because one, they'd be exposed in more parts of the America, be exposed to socioeconomic things that might not they might not be aware of and actually help bring more community community oriented oriented because people are seeing other people and meeting other people and learning to work with other people. And part of the challenge is, is right now, if you go into AmeriCorps or the Peace Corps, you might only make 15 grand for a year. Whereas if it was a military service, you'd actually get paid as if you were in the military. So that's part of the challenge. So if you go into like AmeriCorps or Peace Corps, part of the orientation is, well, here's how you apply for food stamps. Uh, right. You know, so, and there's a total oversubscription of people wanting to do it. I mean, they might only take 7,000 people in the Peace Corps in a year. So it's just the number is so underfunded by Congress that it's just hard to, you just can't get as many people into it. So that's the idea. Should we make something like that more you know, similar to the military? Yeah, I think it's a great idea because it's, it's that whole concept of giving back and recognizing that you, owe something to your country, you know, that this is um, the place that you live and it's a wonderful place and has many wonderful benefits and which you partake in. And um, it's an opportunity to give back. Even if you get paid, you're still doing something that's going to help support the country and you meet people. And so I think that's an awesome idea. Yeah. So it'd be, it would be interesting if they could do it. You know, other countries do it. You know, France has some different programs where they've done. Germany had gotten away from that. They're going to go back to it, I guess. But yeah, I think it would be in days, there's some debate whether you make it mandatory like the draft or you make it voluntary. A couple of uh, higher-ups you know, think, well, let's not make it mandatory because then you've got people that don't really want to be there. So that, that would be that balance of, you know, make, versus the draft, which is, hey, everybody goes. You know, but if everybody went, maybe that would be, everyone knows, okay, I'm going to go do that. Yeah, I think that's a shared common experience, which I think is good as well. I think people that have been in the military, they always have that common bond of, hey, you know, we're in the, oh, what branch were you in? You know, we're in the military, all those types of things. And so since I'm obviously too old to participate in that, I'm I'm all for the mandatory (laughs) (laughs) national service. (laughs) Did they have any sort of timeline on what they were you know, looking at in terms of getting something. What they're trying to do is just increase funding. The problem is funding. funding, So they're saying if we could just get Congress, I think uh, one of the numbers they said is Congress spent $3.2 trillion on education for STEM and and all, and they spent $3 million on Hmm. public service. So the the, the disparity in in the numbers. So they just are trying to come back to Congress and say, you know what, this is, we should put more money towards this, which means it's going to have to come from somewhere else. And one of the, points of the article was is now after 
all the funding for the pandemic, it's like it's just going to even be more challenging to try to get money to it. Yeah. Sure. So they really it's more about funding, and probably no one really no one really disagreed that it wasn't a good idea, some kind of good idea to do that. In, in, but so where are they going to pull the money from? Yeah, yeah. Well, it sounds like too, even if they didn't go the mandatory route. I mean, there's like you said, people that would want to do something like that, and so. You'd increase the participation by probably quite a bit, but yeah. Yeah, they, just, yeah, they increase funding. Yeah, they can increase participation on the ball until they got, they said, you know, we're fully subscribed on the volunteers. We, we put every volunteer in into to a position, see how that worked for five or 10 years. And then you could say, well, gee, it's really successful. We should make it mandatory or, or just increase the funding. Yeah. I, I can't imagine how many people you'd get. You'd probably get two or three million people a year that would do it. Yeah, it's interesting, Wes, you mentioned kind of that shared experience and, you know, a lot of people that go into the military have that. And I mean, I just know I had that with sports, you know, especially with football was kind of a unique one in that I played different sports, but that one, you know, you're going through something pretty tough, you know, and pretty demanding physically. And yeah, that bond that you create going through, you know, something like that together. Um, And if it's got a challenging component to it, then that typically forges that bond a little bit stronger. I feel like something like this, if you, if we had some more shared experiences, maybe that would help minimize a lot of the, you know, the fighting that, you know, internal fighting that's going on now and just, yeah, because you find that common ground, you do something together. You know, I think that's an interesting perspective on how that, that would maybe add different layers of benefits that they weren't originally thinking about. Yeah, and they did. Or they did reference that, and they did they? that commonality of hey, we, you know, we've done something similar, and just meeting other people from different parts of the world and the country, you know, parts of the country. Yeah, different walks of life, uh, different yeah regions, and I think also many. Let's let's say it was the sort of thing where it's, you know you're 18 or 19 when you do that, and most kids, a lot of kids, I would say, are not interested in going to college at that point, uh, even though their parents might be pushing them very hard to go to college. And so it would, might be a good transitional experience for people, you know, for young, younger adults to, to go through that and do that for a year or two years. And then, then they can decide, hey, do I want to go to college? Do I want to go to a trade school? What I want to do, you know, but it might open up their eyes to some different possibilities and give them a little more time to, to mature and, um, as you guys said, meet, meet some other people from different parts of the country. And I mean, people are living so much longer today that if you delayed college, you know, by a little bit, and then you delayed your career start, you know, you just got a lot of runway in front of you that, you know, that added experience might be more beneficial, even if it delays a couple of other things that you know, are being typically pushed as the immediate next step. And probably a conversation from some other time, maybe not this podcast, but, you know, college isn't really for everybody. And uh, so I think we need to rethink the educational system as well. <laughs> so that's a whole other topic. Well, yeah. Yeah, we could probably handle that in 45 minutes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no problem. Should we, should we just start yeah. there? Yeah. Funding included. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So what we were going to talk about today, which I think we will move on to, was, you know, we were kind of thinking about this the other day, which is within the family business environment use, at least you see this a lot in construction. I feel like you got the founder, original owner, you know, is 
you know, dad, he starts the business. He's maybe been in the business 20 plus years, you know, and then maybe the son or daughter starts coming into the business and they start to learn. And, you know, the hope is that there will be this transition. And I think oftentimes the business can outgrow either one of those positions, either the child doesn't catch up in knowledge or skill, or maybe they just don't have it, or maybe they even wanted to do something else. And so the, the effort and energy isn't there because they're, they just kind of got planted there or the original founder maybe isn't leveling up their skill in growing the business fast enough or just delegating or training or passing on some of those skills. But I guess I'm curious just to get your guys' overall take on this concept. Do you think do you think that happens often and are there some easy ways to to tackle that? <laughs> like quick wins, you know, just get right to it. <laughs> I don't know. Brooks, what do you think about this this concept, I guess? I think it's a challenging concept and I think it's pretty you know, it's very common. It's probably one of the biggest things that comes up, you know, if you do any research around family businesses and transitioning family businesses. It's this transition from generation to generation. And it, it can go, like you said, expanding the founder to you know, the next generation, but it can go from the second generation to the third generation. It's that, that hand handing off of the baton that, uh, you know, if you ever ran track and you're in a relay race, that, that transition period where, you're in, in this spot on the track and you have to hand off the baton from the runner to the next runner and you drop the baton, you're out. And I think there's only, you know, what did they say? I think it's like 13% of the family businesses make it from second to third generation, you know, and 60% make it from first to second. And, you know, the baton gets dropped uh, all the time. So it's a huge, huge topic for sure. Well, I think to your point about that, Brooks, if you think about the odds, so what are the two things to make a successful transition, you know, from one generation to the next generation, whether it's first to second or second to third, the the generation that's being it's being transferred to has to have two things. They have to have the skills to be successful and they have to have the interest. Yeah, desire. So they could yeah, the desire. So they could easily have one of those and not the other or neither and the pool that you're drawing from as a business owner is pretty small because it's your progeny. <laughs> so, you know, that, and that could be a little or a lot, you know, our, our, our grandmother came from a family of 12 kids. And so, you know, but that's probably the maximum you're ever going to see most likely in a, in a family and certainly with declining birth rates, you know, pretty small families nowadays, you have folks are having one or two kids. So it might be a nephew or a niece or some other family member, but I think skills and interest. And if you can't get past those two, you're not going to make it. So I feel like you need to take that step back. And, and once again, let's say you are the founder or you maybe your second generation, but you successfully you're operating. You really have to look at what your goals goals are. And I think we've talked about this before in the podcast is determining what your goals are for the business and is the goal for the, are you trying to develop a world-class business? And that's really what you're trying to do. You're more interested in the business. Or are you more interested in the, the family aspect of it, which is I'm trying to provide an opportunity and a place 
and, you know, for our family to flourish and to do well, or am I really interested in this business because the technical aspects of it, I just really like, you know, building and remodeling and that's the interest part. So you got to, you got to figure out what your goals are. Brooks. Well, I think that the, the, as you transition from generation to generation, if each generation has their opportunity to put their, their print on the business. And so it could be that it organically just first generation went to second generation because it just happened that way. And a lot of times I think it's just, especially if you just go back in time, 70, 80, a hundred years, and that would have been a more traditional coming out of the trades that, you know, a parent would train most often a son to take over the family trade or the business. And, and so you see some of that. Um, without really anything about, oh, am I going to have a world-class business? Am I going to, and, and now we have the, because you know, in America, we have such a vibrant economy and, and you have a lot of opportunities. You have an opportunity to have a discussion about, oh, am I interested in the business or am I interested in just the family? Because we're, most likely it's not necessarily about, totally about survival. And right. yeah. so now we're having, we have the luxury of having that discussion of, well, is it, world-class business don't really care if there's any family in it or is it family first hope the business works out and i think they go you know they go together in parallel so you have to go back and forth you have to put on your your business owner hat take that off put on your family you know whether it's your parent your second generation or third generation and 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 look back a little bit say well you know was it my great-grandfather did he really lay down some kind of mandate or goal or vision for the business or is it no he just was able to create something and it got passed and did that next generation did they lay down a man because you need to i think to respect that and go back and say well well what was their goal if they did state it and then if they didn't then it's up to that generation whoever's in you know in control to you know set set the stage for those next generations, regardless kind of what happened, you know, whoever's in control is the person who is going to set that stage either very well or not very well. And I think it goes to your original question, Spencer, about, you know, the founder and this trend in this transition. Yeah. And one of the the big things that I heard you guys mention is obviously the interest piece. So let's assume there's interest, you know, in the next generation getting involved, you know, transitioning, Let's kind of dig into that skill piece. You know, there's certain situations where, you know, I'm a big believer in personal growth. I think everyone can improve, but there's probably some situations where maybe the skills that are needed, it's either more challenging to develop or they're not the natural strengths of the next generation or the skills that the original founder had are just different from the next generation. So maybe that person is going to be great in some role within the business and really excel. But I guess. What are some things to think about with that kind of piece of it, um, which is the skill piece of it, you know, because that there's just different personality types and, and different skill sets needed in every position. And that founder role sometimes is even a different skill than taking the, the skill that's needed to take it to the next level once it's been built off the ground. So I think there's just a lot of variables there. I guess, Wes, how do you think about some of those things? Yeah, if somebody's listening to this and they're they're kind of in the middle of a transition or they can see a transition on the on the horizon. You know, I think to go back to Brooks's point about in the past, this the skill part of it was actually the trade. 
Mm-hmm. You know, so I'm a really good cobbler or I'm a really good, you know, plumber or, and, you know, pass those skills down to the next generation. So they're, that, that's the skill set that you're talking about. But I think today the skills that are required are you do have to have knowledge. Depends on how big the business is, of course, but you, you have to understand what the business is, um, the technical aspects of it so you can manage it. But then there's that whole other layer of skills, which are around the business management of the business. You, you know, you got to have under some understanding about accounting. You have to be able to read your, you know, your balance sheet and your profit and loss statement and need to be able to review contracts. And, you know, you got to be, so you got to understand how do I manage people if I have people that work for me? So that's a whole nother layer of skills that need to be developed and um, you can have pretty disastrous results if you don't think about that for the next generation. I had a, a friend who had a, a business here in town, and, and he had a son who he very desperately wanted to pass this business down to, and the son didn't finish high school. And so the son had various jobs within the company, and, but he just never came up to speed. He, he really... Didn't have, wasn't a, the caliber in terms of managing a business. And so when his dad passed on rather suddenly, he had this business to run. And it unfortunately was kind of at the same time we had a big downturn too. Uh, so that business didn't last long. You know, they were, they were quickly out of business. And because the skills were never developed on how to run the business and understand that part of it. I think the son had a, you know, a decent understanding of the technical side of it, but never came up to speed on the business side of it. So I think as the person who is in charge, as Brooks was talking about, whoever's in charge, their responsibility is to do that vetting and make sure that if the son or daughter has expressed interest or the nephew or niece that they are assessing and putting them through a way to develop their skills and visiting and looking, checking back on that pretty regularly. And if they don't, then they're going to have a little bit of a disaster on their hands, most likely at, at some point. It could work out well, but, you know. Oh, chances are working out. But chances are, are low. So most of these things don't just happen. No, I think that's a, that's a critical thing is they don't just happen. It's not like, you, know, you just don't end up in business and have a successful business. That just doesn't happen. It comes about because of hard work and focus and intention, you know, being intentional about what we're doing. I mean, we're in business for a reason, you know, whether it's, you know, you know, build, you know, you're remodeling or building or whatever reason you're in business. And then you have the opportunity to have, have family work with you. So I you know, go back to West Point, whoever's in charge yeah, I, I really believe have an implicit responsibility to direct traffic and figure out, you know, what the direction of that business is. You might have gotten a mandate from previous generations, or maybe not, but it's up to you. And, and it depends on everyone has a different feeling about responsibility to future generations in their whether it's in their family or you know in the in the country. So if you as a business owner and you're a and you're the founder or you're the one who's in charge, it's that you know, how much of a responsibility do you feel to pass this business on to the next generation or, or pass something on? And you may decide, you know what, I'm not really interested in that. And this business is just here for my benefit. And when I'm done, then I'm 
I'm going to wrap it up. And we talked about that previously. And so I think that goes back to those original questions about what do you want to have happen with your business and you get to that. Yeah. So the communication piece is, is pretty important. You've got to you've got to be communicating frequently and having fairly in-depth conversations about it. I think it is a little bit of a powder keg in the sense that if you do have a son or a daughter that wants to is interested in the business and they are not coming up to speed and they don't have you know, everyone's not suited for every single job, right? And sometimes even if there's an interest, interest can help a lot to overcome a lot of things. But even with that, it may be the situation where you can see that they're not the right person to take the business forward. And so that's a super hard conversation, right? If it's, if it's, a, if it's a child, uh, a grown child, you're going, hey, I don't think you can handle this. Gee, how devastating is that? So I think you've got to tread pretty carefully when you, or as you enter this, this part of the arena where you're going, man, I'm going to try to bring my kid in and they're going to run this business. It's all going to be great. Well, it might not be great. And so what are you going to do if it's not great? So know that and think about that before you get into that situation, because you may have to have a hard conversation and that could be more damaging to the family and the family relationship than having not have that child never enter into the business. Yeah. It kind of feels like, I mean, it feels like that could happen often, you know, just odds are good that that could happen. But then I think there's the other side of the coin too, where maybe you have the original founder, they get something off the ground, they get it to a certain level. Now the skills required from getting from there to the next level are different Whereas the person coming in, maybe they're more suited for that. And then you maybe get into a spot where they've got the interest, the drive, the energy, and, and they're going to take it up a notch. But maybe the founder, you know, it seems like maybe their skill level at that point needs to be delegation or letting go or, you know, other, other things. And I feel like it seems like it just takes a lot of self-awareness on both sides, but definitely the, the founder or, you know, whoever's trying to transition it to have kind of that awareness of what are my skills? Where am I lacking? Cause I, I think about that a lot here at builder funnel. I'm going, well, gosh, if I'm not continuing to level up and improve and grow, you know, eventually things will stall out and I won't have the skills to get us to the next level. And so I think there is an element of, of that going on on both sides, you know, the founder and the the person incoming. But I'm assuming it probably happens more often that maybe the person coming in maybe doesn't have that skill because like you said, it's it's not necessarily the skills of the trade at that point. It's the business skills and evolution of technology and different things that you have to pick up that maybe you didn't have to, to learn when you first started the business. So If you've followed Builder Funnel for even a little bit, you know we're huge believers in the inbound marketing methodology. One of the most important phases is the client delight phase. By delighting customers, you turn them into promoters of your business and your brand. The only way to get people to go out of their way to sing your praises is to wow them throughout the process. This is something the guys over at BuildBook are helping you do. Better communication leads to better outcomes. And that means communication at every level. 
daily logs, client selections, punch lists, and change orders. Today, that communication gets super fragmented between email, text, and phone calls, and inevitably, things fall through the cracks. With BuildBook, everything funnels through one simple app, keeping everyone on the same page and your clients filled with delight. No more digging through texts or random emails looking for client approvals. Just one place to see everything going on with a project. And as a reminder, they're offering a special deal to all Builder Funnel Radio listeners. Hit pause right now and text BUILDBOOK to 33777 for a free trial of the software plus 45% off the first year. All right, let's get back to the show. Yeah, I think if, um, if the, usually the, the second generation, they are focused more on the business aspects and growing it. And maybe they've had more business training, maybe they've had some schooling or whatever, but the founder had that original vision and, and bootstrapped it up off the ground and got it going. And now the second generation wants to grow it further. So I think this is where, like you said, communication is important. A lot of self-awareness is important if they have it. But to me, it's this transitional time needs to be fairly short. So, and, I, and it could be measured. So between first generation, second generation, or second to third or whatever, but these transfers you need to look at trying to do something that's shorter than longer because you need to transfer that control and that maybe it's a change of direction in the company. Nothing is static. Nothing stays the same. So if you have a 20-year plan for transitioning this business, just personal opinion, way too long, right? So five years or less in, in my book, in terms of the actual transfer of control, it should it should be fairly short. Now, it doesn't mean that someone wouldn't come in and work and go, okay, I, I'm invested in this business as a kid. I, I see where I want it to go. But then there has to be some, some firm timelines around, okay, great. Well, now we're going to transition ownership. You're going to buy it or whatever that transfer is. But it has to happen on a fairly short term because otherwise in that murky gray area of transfer of control, uh, that's where a lot of, I think, um, uh, conflict can occur between the generations where the first generation has their view, second generation has their view, and either one could be right, but only one can be in control, control. And, um, and that's what has to happen. So just, I, I think these long-term buyouts tend not to work out too well. Well, and you think, uh, you know, I think part of the challenge is, is around money because mm-hmm. you can say, well, you know, are your example, Spencer, is, you know, hey, the guy, the founder's been doing it for 20 years. So maybe he's 40. Well, he's not ready to retire yet unless the business has been super phenomenal. So, and, you know, in our, in America, you know, people work till they're 65. So if someone's 40, they're not going to tap out till 65 and say, okay, now I'm done working. And yet, an adult child might be ready to come into the business at 20 at 25 or something. So now the founder's 45. So are they going to be ready to retire and hand over the reins at 50? Most likely not just because they're not ready to retire and, and they're not financially capable to retire. So then the money becomes an issue. And then you're trying to transition like Wes says, you do this short transition of control to the, to the next generation now the next generation is in charge of the financial well-being of the, the first generation. 
that's an excellent point, Brooks, because and if you think about it, our lifespans are in, increasingly long you know, here in America. Social Security is set up, hey, it's at set of 65 for a reason. You're supposed to die by the time you're 65 or a little bit before. You know, most, most people are hitting their stride when they're 60 and 65 today, if you look at that. And so I think the first thing a, a business owner should do in looking at the transition is go, well, what's the age differential between me and the next generation? To Brooks's point. Yeah. So, you know, is it a 20-year difference or a 40-year difference? How close am I to retirement? Yeah, how much money do I need to do that? How quickly could I transfer this? Because we've all heard the, the horror stories of, of uh, mom or dad still come to the office, usually dad, you know, at 95, <laughs> the son is 75, the daughter is 75, they've been collecting Social Security for 10 years. <laughs> and well, think, well, we think, you know, yeah. <laughs> think mom or dad will transfer power, you know, at some point and you're gone. You yeah. better chance that you're probably going to die before that happens. You know, as the adult child. <laughs> as the adult child, you've got to look at that too. If that offer is being made to you, hey, come into the business, learn the business transition. So you have to ask yourself, what are the realistic odds that this is going to happen? And I, I think it's important if you are that next generation and you're working the business now and your mom or dad are running it, look at it and go, what are the odds that this is going to happen? And be brutally honest with yourself about it based on your conversations. Maybe have some conversations. Based on how those conversations go, you need to be willing to walk away. Because yeah, if you're yeah. feeling it's not going to happen, you can waste your prime, you know, 20, 20 years of prime development time for yourself. So I think when we're young, we think we have all this time in front of us. But, you know, when you get to 60, 65, you look back, you go, well, that went pretty fast. And so you need to be aware of that as, as you look forward as a young person. Go, well, I've got I'm 25, you know, I got till 50 or so, you know, I, to really push it hard and develop myself in some space. Can I do it with mom or dad um, in the business? Are they going to transition it out and allow me to grow or not? It seems like yeah. It seems like the time perspective might be one of the bigger factors that yeah why why it doesn't transition Mm -hmm. you know after three generations. Yeah, it's a kind of this structural thing that we don't think about, and it's going to be different for every family business. Which is physically, what are the age differences between the generations? You know, once you get past the skills interest part of it, but what what are the age differences? What are the money issues in terms of what people need to live on? and that transfer of power and authority. I mean, in, in, in our business with uh, Heather and I and Todd Jilly, you know, we were very clear, hey, next generation is not going to come into this business because we're, that's not something we don't think that business. Well, number one, we didn't think that business could support six more people. You know, that would be supporting 10, you know, 10 people or, you know, eight, eight families. And we're just like, there's just not the, the business will... We do not have the economic capacity to make the business that big. So we just chose not to provide that opportunity. And Todd and I didn't want to work that long because we, instead of being, you know, retired now, we would have had to retire in our mid sixties to make that next big push. So we did some other, you know, did create some other opportunities, but that wasn't through the business. Wasn't that going to be the opportunity for those kids? 
That makes sense. Yeah. And I know that was one of the things you mentioned earlier was just deciding, you know, is this something that I want to pass down? And if so, why or not? And then, you know, once you've made that decision, if you do want to pass it down, then you've got to flip the script and go, is there interest, is there skills and kind of work your way through it. Wes, I guess, how did you think about that kind of that piece of it, you know, when you were thinking about your business? Well, I think there's, you know, as I was thinking about our topic today, I've run into this a couple of different times and certainly, you know, when, uh, when I was involved in the building business um, and, you know, Brooks and Todd and I had all received some stock as compensation for, uh, you know, at some point in time. And, and at that point I'm thinking, well, okay, great. Here's some stock, a little bit of stock in the company. Okay. Well, hey, this is interesting. I really would like to pursue this and go forward and purchase more stock and eventually work my way up to an ownership, you know, a majority ownership position or, you know, with Brooks and Todd or whatever. And, um, you know, through conversations with, with our father, it, those conversations really didn't go anywhere in the sense of buying more stock. It's like, Hey, I'm interested in buying more stock. Well, what's the rush? You know, <laughs> why, why, you know why, I'm not interested. And I think probably because of the age differential, right? Okay. So at that point, our dad was pretty young, you know, even, and we came into the business quite young. And so he's gone, man, I've got a lot of roadway in front of me to, to work. And I've got a lot of things I want to do. And, you know, he hadn't really thought about probably transitioning control of the business. So it didn't take me long to figure that out. Well, you know, a couple of years. It did. I mean, it took 14 years before you finally said. Well, that's true. Right. Yeah. So I've been in the business for years. That. Yeah. 14 years. And at that point, yeah, another opportunity came along to buy another business. And so I don't think that this will ever transition and happen. So I, I chose to leave. And, um, of course I transitioned over to another family business, you know, uh, <laughs> so I'm an expert at family businesses, I guess, <laughs> uh, to purchase that business. Yeah, and then a regular guru. Yeah. Regular guru, you know, just, uh, do what I say, not what I do. And then in that case, uh, because of my experience, uh, first time around, I was much more aggressive about purchasing that second business and making sure that transfer of control and ownership came over as quickly as I could leverage up and, and make those purchases of stock. But it was interesting that uh, my father-in-law had the same initial response, which when I went to buy more stock was, well, you know, what's the hurry? You know, and uh, at that time, he was, probably, you know, he was probably 60 <laughs> or, or 62 or something at that time. And and he loved this business, you know, he loved, loved the business and um, same sort of thing. Typical founder who's built something up from nothing and um, is very proud of it. It's a very good business. So, uh, so I had to, to kind of lean in kind of hard to, to make that transition happen. And to his credit, he looked at it and said, okay, well, this does have to happen and, and I will get out of the way. And, and he did. He's just like, okay. And we'll do the deal and finish it up. And that's how it went. And so it was quite quick. It, relatively the, speaking, I think that the time frame would have been 
probably, well, when I say quite quick, <laughs> I think it was probably six years or something before we gained majority interest and, and control. But that seemed really quick compared to my prior experience, I guess. So, uh, so anyway, th- th- that's my point. So it's just that it has to happen fairly quickly in order to keep the next generation or the you know potential buyers interested. They they want to do their own thing. They want to make that company into their own image, in a way, and so they need to do that. But as the transferring gen- as the transferring generation, if you don't have your exit strategy or an exit plan or a way to support yourself worked out, then it's going to be a little problematic. I think you have to be honest, and that's, it goes back to communication. We've talked about before communication, 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 and. If you know, if you make that commitment to an adult child to say, "Hey, come work in the business," have spent some time thinking about how you play that out, those scenarios out, and you know, even if you already have an adult child working in the business, take a couple days and say, "Okay, well, how how do I see this streaming out?" and and then wherever you are, have the right conversations, have the conversations about, "Hey, well, where do we go from here?" Because you may have misled an adult child and. They're working for you and they're in year five and you still have another 25 years to go and you're not interested in transitioning or you don't have, you're not financially able to make that transition. Say, you know what? I was wrong. I can't bring you, you know, we can't do more. This is just going to be enough for me. And and just be honest about that. I mean, I, to follow with Wes's experience, I spent, I think it was 17 years in the business working for our father and Similar, you know, similar thing. There wasn't an interest in a transfer of ownership, so that's when Todd and I actually started our own company. And but that was after, you know, we we bought a small portion of the company and and just moved on because there wasn't going to be a transition. So that's that. So I think it's the honesty and the and on both sides, whether it's the the first generation, you know, the founder and the next generation, but everybody just being honest about what they're trying to do, and then trying to find a harmonious solution because probably a lot of times it's going to be, well, we're going to go our separate ways because the business not economically viable or big enough to support this many people or people don't want to take the risk to make it that big. So there's things to, to think about. Yeah. I like that word intention. Cause I feel like a lot of, a lot of people just move through different things in their lives without, you, you kind of get into it and then you just kind of start coasting along. And then all of a sudden, you know, to your earlier point, Wes, you know, time, it seems like you've got a lot of time, but things move quickly and suddenly five years go by or 10 years go by and, and oh, I guess, you know, maybe now I should think about this. And, you know, you realize then that that's the time you're having those discussions. So it seems like if you, if everyone goes into it with some intention, some self-awareness and just go, okay, what is everyone hoping to, to do? And maybe you don't have all the answers, but you're at least opening up that discussion and, and keeping it as kind of running in the background so that you're at least progressing towards something, even if it's just, oh, I want to work in the business to learn some skills and I'm interested and, you know, then you revisit it after some time. But it seems like those few things, the awareness, the intention and the communication, you know, will, will get you to, you know, at least a point of decision. <laughs> Anything you feel like we missed here, just leaning back on some of your prior experiences? I think um, I was thinking about the, uh, yeah, the, 
we were just talking about how the transition time should be relatively short to be defined by you and your particular situation, of course, but with that goal in mind of making it to the next generation. And I think another reason, one reason for that is because businesses do change, the market does change, and many times the founder or whatever generation is in control is not seeing the tea leaves, you know, reading the tea leaves correctly about what's going to happen in the future and that next generation that's coming in, that management that's taking over. Many times they do see that. And so that can be a point of conflict. So, you know, I, and we're all that way because, you know, now at age 60 for myself, you know, I am not as wrapped into uh, what's going on on the social media side and, you know, different ways of, that you would approach your, you know, your marketing. What are some different, you know, what are products that are out there um, that are going to be coming online? Unless you're really heavily involved in that, you're going to miss out on some of those, those trends. And so if you are, are locked into the way you've been always doing things, then that business is probably going to fail because all businesses have to transition in some way. Now, I'd say with remodeling and home building, there's a lot of things that just aren't going to change a whole bunch. It is more of an incremental change. It's not these huge industry changes that come in and sweep out old businesses and bring in brand new businesses. Still, there are changes that, that happen. And um, usually that next generation is, is more set to, to deal with those things. I think it's willingness to invest in the future because as you get towards the end of your career, you're like, well, let's just keep putting the money here in the bank. <laughs> let's write this one out, you know. That's right. Yeah, not, let's not spend a ton of money investing in new software or new computer systems sure. or right. these you know, whatever whatever is the the thing that you need to spend the money on. You're like, well, you know what? I'm kind of getting near the end. Here, let's just keep piling it up. And right, yeah, yeah. The, the, the new generation is going. Let's buy the new software. Let's uh, yeah. work on our CRM. And and yeah. uh, the passing generation is going. Well, you know, I really want to buy a vacation place. Yeah, let's coast to the finish line here. Let's coast to the finish line. <laughs> you know, the, the uses for cash certainly uh, change. Yeah. I and it, at your question, you know, Spencer, about you know, what are some of the stories I. In, in looking back, I think the more you can do to get outside help, you know, I, I just the plug for the, you know, family business consulting group who we, I read a lot of their stuff. They, they're a great, they just have tons of great content. I've never worked for them, just absorb all their content and they're, and so whoever you decide to work with, but somebody that has an expertise in family business, not just business consulting, but because the family dynamic is you know, business is hard enough, add the family dynamic, it just gets even more challenging. So it's getting outside help. And uh, that's something we never did enough of. Yeah, a dispassionate, disinterested uh, yep. person who can yeah. and, uh, talk people through that. So, and they can have the hard conversations with, with both sides where they see the weaknesses are. And lots of times we just don't see what, what we should be doing. And uh, it's easy enough, you know, we're all human. Well, we're busy trying to make, make a living. Sure. Like, hey, I'm just trying to keep this business afloat. Right. And this is a whole nother job. It's a whole nother job. It really is. Yeah. And you see when people go to sell their businesses, the same sort of thing, all of a sudden, you know, that, that job just doubled because that's a whole nother thing just to, to sell a business. So you, yeah. you know, just transitioning it. 
this stuff and yeah yeah it's kind of interesting that you that just made me think sometimes that next generation and maybe it doesn't maybe it doesn't happen in the building business as often or the remodeling business but they have that i guess energy or they can see like the new trend or the new technology you know and they they can kind of act as that extra role you know so you said oh you kind of double up on your work when you transition but and sometimes you kind of need that that person regardless because they may be the yeah. one that can kind of do the grunt work of like digging into the new technology or the new products or the new process or the new systems or whatever it is because the founder or the person in control is just keeping the wheels moving and doing all that. And I know, uh, Wes, when you and I were lifting builder funnel off the ground as a division of the direct mail company. I remember, you know, I spent a lot of time coming in and talking to you, but I know you were kind of leaning on me to dig into the weeds on that, you know, as it, but, but you saw the, the vision of, I need to transform this company, but then you kind of needed, I don't know, another role or maybe you didn't, but that's, you know, I, think that's that's kind of at it. I think it worked well because I think first time I, I didn't know anything about this new, this new business, but I trusted that you could figure that out and develop that and come up with actually, what is the product? What are we doing? What's the service offering? And so I just looked at my role as to be a safety net and an incubator and relieve you from having to think about all the other parts of a business, which are really just um, a drag on the creative process of coming up with the actual business product and offering. So, you know, the accounting and paying the bills and doing all that kind of stuff. So I think that worked pretty well. So I could provide that support network, uh, which I was very familiar with. And we had a business to, to provide all that. And then you could work on the new product offering and, and the new business offering. Yeah. I think just that brain space sometimes is the, the big mm-hmm. piece of it. Right. You know? So if you, yeah. And so I could lean lean on you for those systems and then all of your past business experience, but then, yeah, come in with the fresh set of eyes, you know, and so same point that you were making, Brooks, just getting that that outside perspective, because I know I grew up just going, ah, I'm not really interested in direct mail, but then I had this different perspective and that was where the interest was. But yeah, even if you're you're both interested in the transition, you know, just getting some outside vision on what's happening what does this business actually look like? Where is it actually strong? Where is it weak? You know, sometimes you're blind to those when you're, you're in it. Any final thoughts on this, uh, this topic guys, or should, did we cover it? <laughs> I would, you know, communicate, be intentional. Yeah. Timing. I think timing looks look, uh, seriously at that. And if you're the transferring generation, have some humility and, know what know what you don't know and be willing to accept what the the new generation is bringing to the table cool well good advice and thanks guys for joining me and thank you as always to everybody that's listening we appreciate your support and uh, if you ever have ideas for the show things you want us to dig into shoot us a quick email over at radio at builderfunnel.com and we will see you next week here on building a family business on builder funnel radio